square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Folks, welcome to the Gone to the Dogs podcast live at the 2023 Grand American Coon Hunt. Man, this thing has been going on since 1965, since old Homer was a pup. But uh, what I'm trying to do here, I'm here in the vendor barn in the American Cooner Full Cry booth and uh, on Saturday. And we have had a tremendous crowd of people already pass through the vendor barn. Uh, we're here with the American Cooner and Full Cry magazines and the uh, Gone to the Dogs, A Coon Hunter's Journey book. But the great part about being here in this location is lots of folks stop by. And this guy that I'm going to bring to the mic is no newcomer to the Gone to the Dogs podcast, but he's sure a longtime friend of mine and a guy that I really always enjoy visiting with. And uh, uh, I just, without further ado, Mr. Jim Meeks, Wild Man, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Steve? Um, I, I couldn't be better, brother, except for I'm just getting too old. Couldn't get no prettier weather, though, could it? <laughs> <laughs> no, Jim, we've had an awesome awesome uh, weekend as far as weather and i know I, you've got to be as tired as i am when the day's over around here because somebody's stopping you every minute to talk and and you've got so many good stories to share with them from those days i really enjoyed earlier today getting to meet ashley oxendine's dad uh, buddy, I believe, right? That's the first time I'd met Mr. Oxendine, and uh, I see why he raised such a fine son. And I really enjoyed hearing the stories that you and Ashley were sharing. Now, Ashley was just a kid hunting with you, right? He was about thirteen. He he lived about he lived about probably twenty twenty five miles. And I'd go over there and pick him up and bring him back home and hunt. He had a little black and tan dog he called Joe. And uh, he was a nice dog. Of course, my dog, big old eighty-pound dog, and he probably was fifty. But he he thought he was eighty, and he could stay with them eighty pounds. Yeah. And I I hunted with Ashley a pretty good while, and I carried him off to some of my buddies up our state where there's a lot of coons, and we treat a lot of coons together. Yeah. And uh, he he really wasn't a boy. People was talking about that boy, but he he really wasn't a boy. He he was a man when he was that young. We got in some rough places, and and I'm not tough, but he never complained. He'd go through there. He it never got too rough, too deep, nothing. He was always there, never complained. And most most people, especially young people, wouldn't go in that stuff. But he loved it much as I did, and he yeah. still loves it. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was telling his father, Buddy, about hunting with me, and he told me Buddy wanted to come and hunt one night, so. They was having a hunt over to our local club, and I told him to bring him. So he come over, and it was cold, and the swamps was running full of water. And you might say they was white capping. It, that water was waste to rib deep. And uh, Mr. Buddy come over, and we hunted. And I see where Ashley got all his stuff from. Uh, we went real deep water, and trying to come out, you leading them dogs. He's having to swim, and you trying not to fall down and water up your chest and all. And Buddy never said a word. We went into three big old places. 
he never said a word. He never fussed. He just he enjoyed that hunt. You could see he enjoyed it. And all he did was talk good about the dogs and about the hunts. And he didn't talk about his dog and how good his dog was and how you, he used to do this and that. It was just that hunt. And uh, he, he never... He never said a cross word. He never fussed or complained. He was just like he was just like Ashley. You can see the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And uh, them was good people. I, I've known for a long. I hadn't seen Buddy in a long time to the day, but them them is good, respectful people. I have much respect for them. And if you talk to the people around that area, you'll get the same thing yeah. from everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's a good perspective. Of course, from the first time I met Ashley Oxendine, a lot of people know him. You know, he owns the big country dog. Yeah. By far the hottest blue dog in, in uh, the decade, I'd yeah. say, or longer. And uh, and he and his partner, John Strickland, and, and Doug, I believe, is a partner. The... Uh, you know, he's very polite gentleman. Oh, yes. And, and I knew right away that this is a good guy. Yeah. And and he's very successful. Oh, yeah. You know, he's been extremely successful in, in farming and all that. And you see why. I mean, he's he's hardworking. He's he's a great guy. He's personable. And, uh, and my experiences with him have been there's been no bragging on the dogs or anything no. like that he did but it was really good for me to stand and listen to you guys yeah. talk about those experiences you know of hunting and he remembered your old dogs and and you were talking about the one female the shirley female yeah. and he's saying how he'd really like to have one out over today and all but you know in this sport of coon hunting there you meet so many people all kinds all walks of life you know, some of them, you know, you say, well, you take with a grain of salt. But uh, but Ashley's just one of those really good guys in the sport, you know. Well, he, so many, so many people have so much respect for him because he always carries himself respectful. You don't never hear him say a crossword about nobody, no dog. Right. Right. If he says something, it's something that's nice about it. Yeah. And it, just like you've seen today, you can stand around all day, you'll never hear him bragging about anything. Mm -hmm. He don't, I got this and I got mm -hmm. that. Right. And exactly. he puts more emphasis on you. Like today, he was putting emphasis on me when yeah. I was trying to put it on him. <laughs> and Buddy's the same way. Like yeah, I said, I, I've known I Buddy for tell. years. and He's, he's a really nice way. guy. To, oh, I, yeah. I could see, get, you know, somebody told me way back, he said, the, how you judge a fella to say, would I like to climb in a pickup truck and ride 500 miles there with you him? You know? And I, I definitely would enjoy the oh, trip yeah. with those fellas. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, Jimmy Meeks, you have been, how long have you been coming to Grand American now, I've, you think? I've, I've missed about three years. I've, I came to the very first one, yeah. and I've missed about three years all that time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, everybody associates you with the Yakin River Dogs, you know, because yeah. uh, you've had that name on your hounds for many years. And, of course, I've been privileged to do articles with you and stuff and peel back to all the layers of that history yeah. and stuff. And it's just such a it's such a great history. And, uh, man, I, what what are some of your memories of Grand American? Do you? The first one I came to, when they started the Grand American, it was actually put on by the National Night Hunters. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that some of the biggest breeders and hunters of the days comprised that. 
And uh, the first time, they, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina at that time. And they went around to different clubs trying to get up guides and judges. Well, what they did, if, if, your, judge, if your club would say, make 10 available, mm-hmm. well, they had a point system. If, uh, if five of them would judge and guide, you got 10 points, two for each one. If they just judged or just guided, you got one point each. Well, however many they used at the end of the hunt when all expenses were paid, they they figured up how much money was left and all in points. They give it a point system. They got so much a point. And if it was whatever it was, if your club had 10 points, you got 10 times that much money what it's worth. It yeah. was paid to the clubs. Yeah. So I was the master hounds here one year, and I've judged many years, and I've judged wow. some I've judged some real high-dollar dogs or sure. high, well-known dogs. Oh, yeah. But the main thing is I've hunted with some some of the best people in the world. I, we used to, me and Gordon Gilroy from Maryland come down, right. and we'd, we'd pick a dog that had been advertised stronger we'd heard about, and we'd ask to go along on the cast. And we went along the cast for years, and uh, we've seen some really good dog work. Yeah. And, of course, we've seen the other, you know, oh, our, yeah. own, our own make mistakes. Yeah. We've hunted with some good people and some good dogs. This hunt to me, I hadn't hunted in years. This is a reunion to me. Mm-hmm. I see people, I've seen people here right now that that I'll never see until I come here again. Mm-hmm. Right. Just yeah. like I was telling you, Vernon Owens. Right. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't seen him in years, but it, I, I see him here, and I come here, it's like a family reunion. Now, me and the Gilroy clan from uh, Maryland's down right. here now. They down hunting with me, staying with me. We come yeah. down, and and we just walk around and meet old friends and yeah. meet some new friends and just enjoy it. It's, it's fabulous. That David Gilroy is a jewel of a guy and oh, somebody man. I always enjoyed seeing. He's always got a big smile on his face. He's a big boy. He, I have yeah. to look up to him. But now Gordon was his Uncle. uncle right that's what somebody was asking me before and i said no i don't think david's uh, uh gordon was david's dad i thought he was his uncle yeah well, you and know, now gordon passed away yeah, a few years gordon's ago one of my best friends yeah. I, i've never met a man that didn't like gordon I absolutely but gordon started coming down hunting with me in probably 80 81 he called me seen an ad on my jeff dog and he come down, we just instant friendship, and he'd come down and stay several nights at a time. And they would come down the first of the week, and we'd hunt all week and then come to the Grand American, you know. And uh, But I hunted, with da- I hunted with Gordon. I hunted with Gordon's daddy. I hunted with David. And David started coming down when he was 14 years old. He's 55 years old. He's been coming hunting with me. And now he brings his son, Tom, I've been hunting with he's 21. I've hunted with him since he was nine. Yeah, I met his boys there yesterday. Well, he brought yeah. Sam this year. The first yeah. time he's 20, the first time I've hunted with him. Yeah. But I've hunted with, with Tom, his daddy David, his uncle Gordon, and Gordon's daddy Tom. I so I've hunted with several generations of them. And uh and what's the good about that? Every one of them the same way. I don't believe they ever meet a stranger. Yeah. When Gordon come down, he was 14 years old, and he'd go to sleep standing up. And I'm not talking about pretending. <laughs> he'd be snoring asleep, yeah. and them dogs could come tree, and he'd wake up and start walking. He didn't wake up and say the tree. He, 
he just wake up and start walking to the tree, just <laughs> like a, a, a machine, like you know, a robot. No? But yeah, he, yeah, he's he's one of my best friends. Well, I know that you've mentored a lot of kids and young people over the years because I talk to them and they tell me, you know, that you, uh, you know, they hunted with you when they were younger yeah. and all that. That was mostly when you lived in North Carolina, right yeah. down in the Low Country. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had one bunch of brothers that lived about thirty five miles. They was Johnson brothers lived in Mullins, South Carolina, and I would go down there and get them. I'd drive down there and get them and bring them all the way back to the house and hunt. Yeah. They they was good hunters. They was little teenage boys, yeah. and uh, them boys was good hunters. They, we hunted a many a mile. And they were the same way. We, I, Steve was the first one hunting with me, and he was probably 14 or 15. And I took him in. I hunted. This ain't any way trying to be bragging or bad, but I hunted some bad, rough stuff. But the reason I did, nobody hunted it. You can talk to anybody that hunted with me all them years, and you probably can't find anybody that ever heard another dog in the woods. But there was coons there, so that's why I hunted. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. But Steve come down and we was going to the dogs and he's That's uh, a spinoff on the title of this podcast here. Going to the dogs. Yeah. Going to the dogs. All right. Well, <laughs> we went in there and he tried to take a shortcut. When you know mm. when it's swamp, you see an open spot with green grass, you don't walk there. Mm. And and he was toting the coon. He went across there and he went he had mud in his eyes. He he went down, he come up, and he said, That coon weighs a hundred pounds. And when we got home, my wife said my, what'd you do, dunk him? <laughs> I said, no. But he brought his brother up with him, his younger brother, Matt. And we was going in there to the dogs, and Matt did the same thing. He said, he said, they're right over there. I said, don't go that way, boy. He said, I'm going this way. I said, go ahead. He went out there, and we got a pole and drug him out of there. <laughs> he, it, it, well, Jimmy, what is it about I've found some of the toughest hunters, like yourself, like Frank Giddings, like just talking to Ashley Oxidine, talking about how tough and rough it is down where he is. Seems like the rougher it is, you know, the more dedicated or whatever. I mean, I've known, you know, I'm not putting myself in that category, oh, yeah. but I grew up in those mountains and laurel thickets and stuff in southern West Virginia. I think the difference is a love for the sport of coon hunting, That's the regardless of where you go. You well, know? you know, Steve, I was raised in Charlotte, and I hunted up in the mountains where I live now uh, all my life, mm -hmm. and I hunted all around. And I would drive down eastern North Carolina from Charlotte hunting when I lived up there and hunt the swamps. So I hunted it all. But I've took people from down there, and not the real bad mountains, just hills we call them. Yeah. And they'd say, if I had to hunt here, I'd quit. I'd never hunt again. And I brought many of them would come from up there down in the swamps, say the same thing. But... It's not that I'm any tougher than you are or you're tougher than me. You're just hunting a different thing. You use different muscles pulling your leg out of that mud than you do climbing <laughs> yeah. that hill. Uh, and and you, you don't quit. What you do if you move to a place like that, you slow down because it's rough on you. I don't yeah. care who you are. Oh, yeah. And as you adjust to it, you go back to hunting. Mm -hmm. But if you're a tough hunter and love it, you make a way to hunt somehow well, or other that, that's, a, that's a good perspective for sure i know i hunted all those years in michigan and that was 
Easy, Be- easy hunting. It wasn't like what Frank hunts up there. I wasn't yeah. hunting those old bad swamps and flatland. I was hunting down in the southern part, down there in the farmlands. It had a little roll to it, mm-hmm. but but low places had a little water and nothing you could couldn't go through in knee boots, you yeah. know, and. Uh, but then I go down and I get that cabin in Western North Carolina, and uh, I got this old plot dog horse that I carried around for years, and I'd go around up uh, up around the side of one of those mountains. Well, I knew if he treed off, I could fall off that mountain to him, but I was going to have to climb back because yeah. that's where a buggy was, you know. And, and it, like I tell you, it's all different, you know. And so I went from being a mountain hunter, then all those years hunting that easy stuff and going to coon hunts all over the Midwest and hunting in Illinois and Indiana and, and Kentucky, you know. And then uh, here I am back in the mountains. But there's one problem with that. I'm old now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And boy, I tell you, I, when I first started back there, it, it was a little rough on me. But I got used to it, you know. Well, when I moved up there, uh, I had people tell me, so what you do, you drive up top and then you walk down to them. I said, it don't matter if you turn at the bottom and walk up. <laughs> or if you turn at the top and walk down, you got to walk back That's up. That's right. But you know, a lot of people, I've went up to Frank several times and, and he's, He's always treating me like family. Absolutely. And, and I hunted with Robbie, and me and Robbie's went off ourselves, hunted several times, and, and he's just like Frank. He's a tough hunter. Uh, good he people. is, too. And his wife, Oakley, I, it's just like I was at home. I, I've never been treated no better nowhere. But everybody thinks Frank's got so many coons. It's ungodly. You know, most people, Indiana law knows, but down here, people don't have a clue about the coon. But people assume that all hunting is like central Illinois or something. They think it's flat and beautiful and cool. Yeah. Frank's got some of the toughest hunting in the world. He's got yeah. some bog swamps there to pull your boots off. And Frank goes through them. He don't go around. That's as tough a man as ever lived. When he took the young dog couple summers ago up there and hunted, you know, and he said, now, Steve, I'm not going to put this dog, this dog in these coon, in these cornfields and easy hunting. I'm putting him in the swamp, you yeah. know, where he's going to have to, he, he, you know, he's going to have to be tough or, or, or he, you know, but absolutely right. He's got some rough, and I, we've said it on this podcast before, when everybody else is ready to go to the house, he's ready to Frank's hunt. just ready to turn them loose again. I carried some friends up there and we hunted all night. We hunted at right breaking daylight. Well, he didn't want to come in too early because he didn't want to wake his wife up. She had to go to work. So we hunted till she got up. And, and Robbie get up to go to school. He was just a kid when I yeah. started. But when I first started up there, I carried a couple of buddies with me. And uh, we'd hunted, we'd hunted about daylight. And they would burn out, they was ready to go in. And Frank said, well, y'all go ahead to bed. I got a young dog, I'm gonna go turn loose. I said, I'll go with you. He said, you don't have to. I said, no, that's what I come up here for. So we went out and turned the young dog loose. And it trailed the coon in there and tree. And about the time it tree, I was standing here, here come the school bus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a lot of people say, well, then people talk about I hunt all night. Most people talk about hunt all night. They're talking about hunting 11 or 12 o'clock. Yeah. He hunts all night. Exactly. And if you want to go up there and you don't want to hunt all night, you don't need to go because yeah. he ain't going to put up with it. Yeah. And, but he's the real thing. I, uh, I, I admire him. And uh, he's a guy that I, I just really uh, have always enjoyed being around. Yeah. And, uh, I always have a good time. I've never had a bad time hunting with Frank. Yep. And I, it was the same way with Howard. Howard was a grown oh, yeah. old 
crusty old <laughs> rascal, you know. But he was fun too, you that know. And those guys were were inseparable, really, there for so many years. But that Howard, Howard Winchell, I'm speaking he could of. walk, big old tall rascal. As old as he done retired, and I think he was a tool and die maker. I'm not sure, but he retired, and he, I know he was past retirement age. And he went back to work doing industrial plumbing, and him that old. But I, I don't. It was probably an hour from Frank's over to his house, mm -hmm. and he worked every day. And he'd leave us at five o'clock in the morning. He said, "Y'all catch my dog. I got to go to work." And at dark, he'd be there ready to go hunting that night. And we'd do that a couple nights. Then we'd go to his house and hunt. Yeah. Tough. I I hate oh, yeah. I followed him when he was thirty. You know, he yeah. was tough. Well, when I. Uh left West Virginia and went to uh, actually I was working in Tennessee but went to Kalamazoo to UKC. I knew nothing about that. I'd been up to to uh, Plot Days in Michigan yeah. knew they had a lot of coons so that was a draw for me but I didn't realize how many really hard coon hunters there were up there yeah. and a lot of of course now Frank's a native he's, he's been he's born and raised in Michigan yeah. but now a lot of them were boys out of East Kentucky and Tennessee and stuff that went up there to Works. work in the factories, you yeah. know. Dave Dean, for instance, he was from yeah. West Tennessee, but as an example of that. And uh, but man, I found out that there's some serious coon hunters in You're state right. of Michigan, but there's nobody could top Frank Giddings. No, I agree with you. <laughs> He's top. Well, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about. I know we have a lot of listeners. They're so interested in history, and they're interested in the good dogs that they've heard about and all. But you had a knack of producing good dogs. I mean, it. I don't know. You start off with old Jeff. Was your, Tom was your Tom, first one. Tom. Right. And then you, you just, what, did you have a formula? Did you have an idea in your mind when you started breeding those dogs? Yeah. i tell you what. People didn't breed. People didn't believe, believe, believe in the family breeding at that time. But when I was in my early teens, uh, there was a guy that lived right close to me that hunted bird dogs. And he trained them bird dogs. Well, I got to messing around with him. And I was over there one day. He had a pointer. He, he, when he pointed, he laid flat on the ground on his belly and pointed his tail straight out. <laughs> he had two setters that was stylish. But he had a litter of puppies. And I was over there talking to him. I went bird hunting with him. Back then, you could jump coveys just, you wouldn't believe it, the birds. I was hunting with him, and them, them pups jumped the rabbit. When he come by me, I shot the rabbit, broke him down, and the dogs caught him. And he was squealing, and Charlie come over there, and he was going fool over them dogs. He told me, you don't shoot no rabbit. I said, well, <laughs> we shoot them when we hunt. He said, well, if you shoot rabbits, them dogs will go to pointing them. I said, well, that sounds good. You get rabbits and quail. And you shoot them in the bed, and you won't tear them up so bad. But he uh, he was out there one day, and he had three or four puppies, and he had a fishing rod, and he had a tennis ball with quail wings on it. And he went out there, and he cast that thing as far as he could out in the field. And I said, what are we doing? He said, I'm going to show you something. And we just let them puppies play. They was just running and playing. When they got out there, he twitched that rod a few times, and them puppies locked up, pointed. Well, a couple of them kind of moved up a little bit when he moved that ball. And there's a couple of them, I'm talking about like eight-week-old puppies. 
there was a couple of them just pointed solid. And I said, how you get them to do that, Charlie? He said, you don't get them to do that. He said, they don't even know they're doing it, Jim. He said, they ain't got no control. He said, that's bread in them. He said, they do it and don't even realize they're doing it. He said, they're already doing it. And he said, that's how it's bred into them. And he said, them puppies that didn't move, he said, it don't matter what they do or don't do if they don't make a good dog. He said, but them puppies that didn't move, if they make a good dog, you breed them with them other puppies that didn't move, made a good dog. And he said, when them pups come, he said, you'll have a high percentage, just, just natural pointers. And he said, it's bred in them so much. He said, they don't even realize they're pointing them birds. They're already pointing. He said, because it's instinct in them. Mm -hmm. And I got thinking about that. And he was telling me about how he bred them. And then I read that dog. I read the book, Snakefoot. You know, uh, the guy's last name was Will. And he turned his last name around L. Hugh. Yeah. L. Hugh Porn, most right. famous line of porn in the world. So I got that book he wrote. And I read that thing. And Snakefoot was his main stud dog at the time. Well, he took daughters of Snakefoot and bred them to maybe Snakefoot's cousins. Then he brought them dogs back to Snakefoot. And he just completely, he didn't breed no brothers and sisters. He didn't breed nothing back to his mom or daddy. It was cousins, uncles and aunts and grandparents. And I read that thing, and he said, that's how he got them dives to win this bunch of uh, pointers in oh, history. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I read that, and I got thinking, you know, that's pretty smart. So that's the way I went to breeding them dogs. They didn't breed no brother and sisters. It was uncles, aunts, cousins, back to grandparents right. was good. And to the mom and daddy and brother and sisters was probably good. I know people didn't got good luck, and some that didn't have. But that's, that's the pattern I went by. Yeah. And, and the ones... Any dog that I kept, they were bred that way. And uh, when I bred them that way and got one that I liked, and he had all of it, I kept them till they died. Mm. I, there was a couple of them I sold, and I hated myself later for selling them. But uh, I just, that's, I wanted him bred right because I wanted to use him for breeding. And most people will tell you, them dogs crossed on a bunch of dogs. And uh, they did good. Sound like somebody beating a drum in yeah, here. <laughs> I hope it's a drum. But them dogs crossed on a lot of dogs. But when you bred them back to dogs that was Yakin River bred, mm. that was the click. You know, yeah. uh, Frank can tell you that. Uh, they might not cross good on them dogs. But when you bred them back to Yakin River bred dogs, uh, that, was, that was just a combination it took. Well, I've mentioned him on a few times on the podcast over the years, and uh, it's Lance Hutton, a bear hunter up in mm -hmm. West Virginia, and he told me one time he said, you know, he liked to your family breed your dogs to establish your line, yeah, and then you outcross to get your outstanding individuals, yeah. but then you bring them back into the line. Yeah. But if you can get that outcross from a strong family breed. Uh, right. red line then that's all the better that's all the better and you know we figured that out my dad and I and, I, and with the help of, of like Everett Weems was a well known pot breeder years ago and he did this too and you know family breeding those dogs like you say not yeah. brother sister yeah. mother daughter you can get too tight you get you bring problems but anyway that's what we did Uncle Needs one of the best crosses we ever made was an uncle niece cross 
to one of Everett's stud dogs. He was a litter mate to this this female's mother, you know. So uh, I'm a big proponent of that. I don't breed dogs anymore, yeah. but I look at guys like you to hear you say that. That just you know really uh, certifies or verifies what I've always thought about breeding dogs. Well, I'll tell you another thing, Steve. Uh, I don't have anything against breeding the world champions or grand night. I don't have a problem at all. But another thing that I did, the dogs that I bred. Mm-hmm. Now, you might get a Yakin River dog that was off of a Yakin River dog somewhere that Leroy up here bred or something, and it might be a complete different acting dog than the one I got. You know, it, it, it might not even have the same tendencies of mine because the way I bred mine, I can sit here and tell you now all the way back to Tom. I hunted with the mamas, the daddies, the grandparents, and and I knew I knew what kind of I knew how they acted, I knew how they operated, I knew how they opened, I knew how they treated, I knew the temperament. And like the, the dogs that I had, I know just about every dog in several generations I either owned or hunted with. Mm-hmm. And the ones I didn't own or hunt with, I contacted people and found out what they did. But I never bred a dog for me to keep a dog that wasn't a coon dog that did it like right. I wanted. Right. You've heard several people talk some of the females I had. Oh, yeah. Nobody hears about them females. I oh, had no, females a, as good yeah. as any males I ever had. Yeah. Well, it's like when I was listening to you and Ashley talking there earlier, and you mentioned this Shirley dog. Well, I didn't know who Shirley was. Yeah. You know, I said, Jim's always, he's got these stud dog champ, Chico, Jeff, <laughs> Tom. You yeah. know, but you got to have those good females. Oh, yeah. Surely, she probably, I think she weighs 78, 80 pounds. And everywhere I'd care, people say, boy, that's a good-looking dog, ain't he? I said, it ain't a he. Shoot. <laughs> a big head, real mouth. She just, she was in the top few dogs I've ever been with. Yeah. And uh, I bred her a Chico and his best litter of pups I ever raised. Not because he's my dogs. But there's three people here today that own pups off of that litter, and they'll tell you them pups was natural. It's just like I told you one time before. I carried the one I had. He was six months and three weeks old, and I carried it. I I drove all the way to uh, Indian Head, Maryland, and got with Gordon and drove 14 hours to Frank's. He never been 10 miles from home, six months and three weeks old. Me and Robbie took him in the first night with Sackett Jr. and Jim McConnell's Charlie dog. And him and Sackett Jr. split tree, and both of them had a coon. He sat there and locked the tree. And we shot the coon out to him. I mean, six months old, we done traveled like 20 hours. And you tell people that, and they just can't believe it. But he was just, I had I had so many dogs over the years, that, and not all of them was like that. But they was they was good enough that they pleased somebody, you yeah. know, and uh, and them's the ones that I bred, them dogs that started early, and I guess it comes down, you know, it breeds down. But I guess what you did, I know it's what you did, but you bred coon dog to coon dog. Yes. But they also had a, a commonality in their ancestry. There was there was a there was a tie there between those dogs. Uh, that were coon dogs to coon dogs. So, you know, there's this argument, well, you just breed coon dog to coon dog, you'll be good. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes not. But if you come from a line of dogs, a family of dogs, 
those traits pass down, you know. Well, I'll tell you something else. Uh, you'll see a dog advertised, maybe whatever dog. He's the greatest dog that ever lived, greatest reproducer that ever lived. And he might have a brother that ain't near as good as him. And the brother might be the best reproducer. And uh, just because a dog's one hunts or just because he's a good dog, uh, it don't specially mean he's going to be a reproducer. But if you breed them dogs that reproduce and they're the same type dog for three or four or five generations and you ain't got no complete outcrosses, you're going to be pretty consistent in getting dogs that's kind of like what you're breeding for. You know, it's uh, at best, it's, I've known people took dogs that really should have been shot and bred them and got real good puppies. And yeah. then, and you know, people bred good dogs oh, yeah. and didn't get nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's not an exact science. It never yeah. will be. We talk about that with uh, with children within the same family. You know, why aren't these two kids exactly alike? They got the same mom and daddy. This one's but, a genius and that was outlaw. <laughs> right. You know, but down through the years, you know, people used to kind of to come to me and talk to me because we had had these plots for all these years. And they wanted to know about, you know. And I found out way back is if you breed within the same family, there's one thing you can tell. You'll get some uniformity yeah. in those dogs, how they look, kind of how they act, how they are around the kennel, maybe the mouth or whatever. They may not all be the same in ability and everything else, but you'll get a common thread through yeah. there, you know, which I guess we call a strain pretty yeah. much. Yakin River is is a strain of tree and walker dogs. It's not a separate breed, right. but uh, but well, I learned you know that way back and and would tell people, you know I read books like uh, Lloyd Brackett, uh, Mister German Shepherd, yeah, and he was kind of like Whaley that you mentioned there yeah. with the L. Hugh Printer uh, uh, pointers. Uh, he took had a dog as a big winner he's breeding show german yeah. shepherds but anyway and he he'd take he bred tight he'd take daughters of that dog that were most like him and breed back to him right of course he's breeding for the confirmation ring oh, yeah. he's not breeding for work and all that stuff but but i you know i don't know i'm not a geneticist i don't you know we could get richard will in here and uh and talk about the genetics and all that, I guess. But I have tried to pay attention, and I know that you have. The only thing I say about genetics is you see some of these people advertising this dog nine-tenths, believe it or not, or 22nd this. And I, the only thing I got to say genetics, genetics is a science, and it's not completely accurate because you you take this, if if – if these genetic experts, if genetics was exactly what they say, if you bred these two, I've known people bred two dogs and get a real litter of pups and breed them again, what nothing. Exactly. If if genetics, the way we see it, was accurate, every time you bred them two dogs, them dogs would be exactly like by yeah. what they say. Yeah. So you could breed them five times and every litter would be the you same. Basically, be cloning them. So, so, yeah. it's not yeah, work. Yeah. It's not working like we got it figured out. Yeah. You're exactly right there. And I used to, uh, the, the when they first started, uh, Mendel, I think, yeah. was the one that 
you know, a lot of maybe in plants and all this other stuff. And there's an old plot breeder in West Virginia, Isaiah Kidd, and he would kind of refer back to that stuff. And we've all kind of tried to reach back and jab this and that out of it. But when it all boils down to it, it's mostly shoe leather and paying attention. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what breeding yeah. comes down to. You know, you're out there hunting those dogs night after night, and you're watching them and you're paying attention to them. Yeah. And you're seeing which ones are doing what you and want. you're, you're breeding for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's more of a seat of the pants type <laughs> flying more than a, anything. But that knowledge adds up over the years. And yeah, well, one of the one of the big, well, I'll say his name. He's passed now, and I thought was AJ Wright. Yeah. He had old Wright Sue. And us people that think we're in the know, we give Wright Sue way, way. And she was off of houses, Bolly Joe houses dogs, yeah. and she was off of Touch Tilly. And but yep. we give we give a lot of credit to Sue because we seen good dogs, and I hunted with Tilly and I hunted with all of her litter mates, and I liked them. Tilly was trashy, but she treated him cool. But he bought that dog off a of Tut Lore. He bred Tilly to houses Bolly, and and AJ had great dogs. Well, Sue just went stopping behind him dogs tree and coons. So he got rid of went hunting Sue. She's big female, big mouth, real tree dog, and she reproduced. But AJ did not believe in line breeding he outcrossed every single time he bred every world champion that come along and and he said when they, he bred the sailor junior twice he yeah. got tom's daddy out of one litter and jeff's out of the other and, and tom was jeff's granddaddy also but he said i know that works because i hunt with y'all and i see that and i like it he said but i ain't done it, i'm not going to do it before he died everybody in that country had more of his blood than he did yeah if if you outcross two or three times, you don't even need to talk about that's, them dogs. They're gone. Right. They're gone. You, you got that's a new right. strain of dogs yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah. He, he just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, you know, and you see this a lot in breeding. We'll use the plot breed again. Guys say, I got a Weems bred plot. I got a Cascade bred plot or whatever. Those dogs have been dead for years and years and years. <laughs> he's in the eighth generation. He's way back there in a spot or two. You know, the, and to say you've got a Weems bred dog, to me, that meant. Everett Weems was driving the bus. Yeah. He was deciding which cross, you know, was going with what and all. And he wasn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was either the best or the luckiest in oh, the yeah. breed, you know. But, yeah, that kind I've of had people me. tell me, said, I got a dog out of Jeff. I said, Jeff what? He said, you're Jack and River Jeff. I said, he's been dead since 1984. <laughs> How'd you get And I never got no semen. How'd you get a pup off of him? And come to find out, he's a great great grandpa yeah. or something. But just cause that name's in really? there, he said, "I got one off of him." You know, I was so. being the smart aleck at the southeastern tree and walker days one day. I was walking out there across the lot to get my vehicle, and a guy had about three plots tied up right there by the road where he used to go in the gate. Yeah. And I said, hey, those nice-looking dogs, what they out of? And they, he said, Cascade Timber. <laughs> and I said, wow, man, I had some timber-bred dogs. I said, well, how old are you dogs? Are they about 30 now? I'll just be in the smart Because <laughs> I said, old timber's been dead 30 years. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> nah, but, yeah, it's funny how, how pe- people, uh, some people look at that, you know, and they'll ask, do you have any uh, – uh, uh, what uh, what was it the other day? Somebody asked me if anybody had any dogs, and they mentioned, like you said, dogs have been dead thirty yeah. or forty years. I said, you know, that's that's 
so washed out now. Well, you know, another thing I want to say, and I'm not trying to talk about my dog, but I just wanted to say this. Well, we want to talk uh, about your dog. My dogs, except for Jeff, Chico and Champ and all, have never been to a hunt, never been to a show, have never been on the grounds where he was having one. And the majority of people say, well, I don't see all these world champions, these grand night champions. Uh, the majority of dogs that was bred to them was pleasure hunters. Mm-hmm. I got people around here that's hunting fifth and sixth generations of them, and ain't never, they ain't never been to a hunt. And, you know, yeah. them dogs, them dogs was bred a lot, and they was bred by word of mouth. If somebody had come and hunt with one, I'd carry the puppy. Mm-hmm. And when the puppy got big enough, they'd come and breed to him, and I'd carry another puppy. And they just couldn't get over them little puppies, tree and coons. And I'm not talking about eight and ten months. I'm talking about puppy puppies. Yeah. And uh, but a lot of people bred to them, but they were they were pleasure hunters, mm-hmm. and they was doing just what I was doing. They was getting a dog for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they would sell yeah. the pups, and just yeah. like Buster Britt down here at Bennett, North Carolina, we've been with dogs and the Gilroys. We've never we've never exchanged a dollar between each other. If they got a litter of pups and I want one, I get one. If I got one, they want one. If they want to breed a dog, just come breed it. We hunt the same type of dogs and and when we breed one, we breed each other's dogs and they're yakking river dogs, but they got some different yakking river dogs yeah, in. They yeah, all yeah. go back to the same stuff. Sure. But we're getting a dog to hunt, and we all like the same type of dog. Yeah. You know, his might be better than mine, but we like the same type of dog. Yeah, yeah. But, but pleasure hunters bred to them dogs, and a lot of them dogs, you say, well, I don't see nothing off of him. But if you look in that pedigree, especially when I was actively breeding, if you look in that pedigree, one of them dogs was pretty close up in a bunch of dogs. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my Tom dog, his daddy was off of Sailor Jr. Yeah. And uh, uh, and Wright Sue. Well, Tom's mama was off of uh, was off of Finley River Chief. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sue went back to Houses Bali and touched Tilly and Sailor Jr. Well, here's Joe House's dog. Here's jo- here's John Monroe's Finley River Chief, and. They was Banjo 2 back in there oh, on, yeah. on Tom's mama's side. I mean, Tom, uh, Jeff's mama's side. So them old breeders, I can't take credit for all that. Them old breeders had dogs in there that made the dogs that I got. Right. I just got what I got and went forward with them the way I wanted to. But they they was good dogs to start with. You know, uh-huh. I didn't make nothing. I just yeah. got them the way I wanted to go. Well, there was a reason, you know, back in the day when communication wasn't very good. All we had was the magazines. Yeah. A long-distance phone call was something like, my mama, like, you're not calling that. That's long distance. <laughs> <laughs> call me on Sunday at 2 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, communication was really limited. We waited to see who won the world hunt when American Cooner came out in November with the cover. You know, Everybody was standing at the mailbox mad because it didn't come the first. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you it know. Seemed like it, it seemed like it to me, even today, and I, I've took them magazines all these years, full cry and everything, and, uh, Full cries went to a lot of squirrel hunting. There's still a lot of coon hunts. Yeah. Message. Oh, it's tree yeah. dog messages. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I read them books and it just, it, I don't know why, but it, it's more, it's closer to me. It's more mm. personal 
reading that stuff, just like John Wick's columns or oh, yeah. or Mark Zepp. You know, I love that stuff. That's oh, yeah. down home stuff he yeah. writes. Yeah. And and that stuff just means more to me than reading something on the internet. That's just so impersonal. Yeah. You know. Well, we come from a different generation, you yeah. know, and I have I mentioned this on my on one of my podcasts the other day. I don't want to sound like I'm talking down to these younger hunters yeah. and that I'm I'm discrediting them in any way. I do think I have some ideas that they could learn from, yeah. you know, but but and a lot of younger people tend to want to if they hear something they haven't heard before, they want to confront it yeah. instead of say it, consider it. Yeah, I'd say they want to confront instead of consider. You know, well, maybe this old guy over there in those big old rolls, he might know something that I need to know. Exactly. You know, but at the same time, I don't want to say, well, these guys with these mild, deep ambush dogs and all, they're not going to hurt. They don't yeah. know what to do. Well. I, I can't be that guy. I don't want to be that right. guy. I don't want to be them, that's for sure, because I don't want to wa- walk a mile to one unless I have to, you know. Not if he can treat him in a quarter mile. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, so there's that generational thing, and I'm sure it was there probably. You know, my dad came off the farm. They had tree dogs, but they, they were varmint dogs. You know, they, they caught anything they wanted them to catch, you See, know. Back in the days, we lived in the country, and everybody had a yard dog. Well, them mm-hmm. dogs go all in tree squirrels and possums. We didn't have mm-hmm. no coons. They'd go down and run rabbits and stuff. And I guarantee you, you can go to 100 places today that's got a yard dog, and they wouldn't even bark at a cat if it walked over and eat <laughs> their food. Right. They have absolutely no treeing instinct right. in them. And every disease or something that comes through to catch, yeah. them old dogs, Never had no flea powder. They, they never, never had a never shot for anything. She'd go under the house and have puppies, and she'd That's drag true. them out from under there when they were six weeks old, and they'd come out there and start pulling on your shoestrings as happy as they could be. And now they live in there scared to death. They, they bred, they're yeah. doing something ain't right. Right. But talking about the young people. Uh, well, they, let they, me jump in there. Okay. I think it's because those dogs are not working. Exactly. There's no work for them to do. Just lay around. They lay around. And and they don't learn anything, yeah. and that and that uh, those genetics run out, just like a person. Yeah, if you don't have a job, you don't know how to do it, lay around the house and watch TV. You'll mm-hmm. go down. You yeah. can believe that. I try to tell these younger people: learn to trade, learn to skill, be yeah. a carpenter, be a plumber, be an electrician. Uh, Something that people's got to have. That's yeah. a need. That's sitting in the basement on the, look the face in front of that screen. <laughs> I ain't going to get it. Well, you know, and, and I'm not just talking about the youth. I'm talking about the old people, too. You can go right now. We was at the restaurant yesterday, and we was talking about, you go there, and there'd be five people sitting at the table eating dinner, and every one of them looking at the screen. I'm saying, can you not put it down long enough to have a conversation? Them kids that get out of school, ride the bus home, texting each other on the way home, sitting beside <laughs> each other. Right next. <laughs> but talking about the youth, I just want yeah. to say something now. Uh, the Gearroy clan is my friend. Yeah, but Tom Gilroy, he he's kind of taken up where David left off, and David took up where Gordon. David and Gordon had them dogs together. They wasn't all Gordons. They was mm-hmm. Davids too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and like I say, Tom's been coming out since he was nine years old. But he's really struck an interest in them Yak and River dogs, and and he he's got a lot to learn, and I have too. But he's doing some breeding, and he's getting some good dogs. And I got yeah. I got some pups there at the house off of his dogs. That's yeah that. What I want to see pups do. 
you know. Yeah. What was the dog that Gordon studied some advertising? Crowler. 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 The Crowler dog, right. Yeah, I can remember Crowler. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, uh, but this young, this young guy, he, he's putting the time in. He's hunting them dogs. Yeah. He's working them, you know, yeah. so it's all of you think crazy. And he don't yeah. want one leaving the world either. He wants one that hunts where you at. If you ain't right. found out, come on back. Yeah. Well, that's it. They certainly aren't. And there's a lot of good hunters. And that's one thing here at Grand American. You see a lot of young hunters yeah. come through. And I meet these young families and they're got their little kids with them. And yeah. They're, you know, involved in the sport. And, yeah. and I'll just say right now, this Grand American this year is more like the old days yeah. as far as the crowds are concerned. Of course, the weather's beautiful and that affects everything. But this thing has always, people say, what's the biggest hunt in the country? Well, Grand America. Yeah. As far as people, you know, Autumn Oaks is a great hunt. I love yeah. to go there and everything. The crowd does not compare Makes to difference. Grand American because there's just a lot more humans yeah. here. But Anyway, the point to see these younger people go through, and but of course, when you're as old as I am, Jim, everybody's young, you know. Well, I, I think everybody's got an opinion, but I, what I learned a long time ago, uh, you respect your elders. Yeah. If you're old with me, I call you sir. You know, and, yeah. and I, I'm I'm nice. We to were raised that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. But because you're old, don't mean you're smart. I've hunted with young guys, and not mm-hmm. especially my friends. I'm talking about young guys that was as smart as anybody I know about hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like a mechanic go out there and he work on the car. I can sit there and watch him and can't fix the car. Mm-hmm. He's just got that natural knack yeah. for it, and they pick up that stuff quick. And I, I've hunted with old guys that was just as dumb as they was when they were 20, yeah. and they still believe the same stuff. He's not going to change uh-huh. their mind. And I tell them young guys, listen to him. Just listen to him and think it through you know pick out what you want to believe right but you don't have to be old to be smart about hunt that's right that's right and uh they some they some smart young guys out there now and i'm not talking about smart alex i'm talking about that really know Mm. what's going on i think about a guy a kid up and i call him a kid he's a young man got a family his name is ben jones uh greenville tennessee he's a bear hunter and and ben is probably as knowledgeable as any bear hunter is that's walking the, yeah. the mountains, I don't care what age they are, and he's not an old man at all. You know, his granddaddy was a was a, a, a bear hunter, and his great granddaddy was a bear hunter, and the kid was consumed by it and learned it. You know, tough as wet leather. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you make a good point there, Jimmy, and I'm I, I've been trying to walk back a little bit. Uh, some things I say about occasionally talk about these younger hunters that don't really, and there are some that don't really understand or have a desire yeah. to learn. But there is some that out there that there is some, and older guys too that get into it and play with it a little bit. If it don't go this right, yeah. they go do play golf or something. Oh, you know? yeah. And then these them you can't dabble in it. This is a sport. These them is. Like me and you, like I said about the bird dog puppy, you can't help yourself. Yeah. You can try to quit, but it's always in that. My oh, Kyle yeah. Chase told me he rabbit hunted. He said he possum hunted, and he quit possum hunting. They didn't have no coons up there in Kingsport, Tennessee. Yeah. And he said he went to rabbit hunting. And he said he's out there on the side of the mountain rabbit hunting one day, and he said he heard a dog come tree back in there. And he said that lift that fire. He said 
He said, I just couldn't stand. I had to go to that dog. He said, he said, it had been so long. And he said, it's so funny, though. I hadn't even thought about it. And he said, when I heard that dog come treed back in there, he said, that lit that fire. He said, I had to get me a dog. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. nothing he could yeah. do about it. Well, somebody posted online or, or on something the other day, I read, and it was talking about no matter what, this or that or something else, it never gets old walking to that tree. That's it. You that know, excitement. That expectation. Yeah. Every tree's different. And did you ever walk into a tree that you just wasn't interested never. in seeing while it's up there? Well, yeah. I tell you what, I've hunted with a couple of dogs that I was mad. Oh, yeah. Uh, them dogs that don't do right. And when you know you're wrong, when you hear that dog tree, you need to feel that blood boiling, mm. your ears ringing, and you're ready <laughs> to go. You're going to go see a coon. When... When he's so bad about missing, and when he when you hear him locate, you start cussing. Mm. That's when you need you got the wrong dog. That's absolutely and I, right. I've seen people. I went on a couple casts. Honest to goodness, and it ain't been many years ago. They didn't even go looking for a coon. They walked in there looking for a hole or where he could have crossed. And you find the coon. <laughs> they was more surprised than the coon. I said, "Oh God, it's a coon!" You know. So when when you get to that point. You need to change something. Well, I had a, a good hunting buddy up in Ohio, and he was strictly a pleasure hunter, and he was a hide hunter. That's the only reason he hunted. But he kept the left the dog up all summer long when season come in. And maybe a week before season, he'd start exercising a little bit. Yeah. But every tree you went, uh, he told you about. If yeah. he went hunting and you didn't go, he'd say, boy, Steve old Buster treed last night. And I walked up there and I threw my light up and there was a big old coon. <laughs> like you like never seen one. one he ever yeah. seen. Yeah. And he got, you know, he said, there's a big old coon up there. I just yeah. about feel like that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you can't describe it, you know. No. The old saying about salvation, you know, the old country preacher said it's better felt than tell. Yeah. You know, so. You know, you were talking about bear, bear hunters a while ago. Yeah. Uh, this, I guess this is about young people. No, you met Aaron Lowry a while ago. Yes. Uh, that's that's one of the best guys you'll ever meet. I see. He's, a, he's real respectful, and, and, I, and I've known him probably 20 years. And and I know a lot of people know him. A lot of people raised well. Ashley and, and and Buddy and them was raised up over there in the same general area. And uh, I've never heard anything but people brag on Aaron. And and you know he's a bear hunter and he's got that fever and got the dogs to go with it. But he's a coon hunter too. But if you go in that country and mention him, you'll you'll hear so many compliments. That it it makes you proud to even know that you know him. He's uh he's top of the line. He, I think the world of him. Yeah, yeah. He, he got a couple pups off of me, oh probably fifteen years ago, and and one of them pups, the male pup, I think I think he made one of Aaron's main dogs. He, yeah, he loved that dog, and he's kind of breeding his own line of walkers now. I don't know exactly what combinations he's making. Mm -hmm. But he puts a lot of videos on Facebook if you look on yeah, it. And I he, haven't, but I will now. Yeah. Well, you pull it up. He, he'll he go out there and treat two or three bears a day someday. Yeah. But now. Well, the thing about bear hunting, you know, has really become popular with the young guys. Yeah. And that's because the bear population has just exploded yeah, all over has. the country. Yeah. And uh, I asked Ashley 
uh, Oxendine a while ago about that. And he said they're starting to come into his area, yeah. you know. And uh, so, and that's exciting to oh, a young yeah. hunter. Yeah. You know, uh, if you don't get excited, it's a rush. That. <laughs> Them boys at Bear Hunt told me years ago, now they wasn't as many bears. They spent a lot of time riding around trying to hit a track. Yeah. Well, Harley McConnell once told me, yeah, he yeah. said, he said, it's the most exciting thing you've ever done when they get on a bear. And he said, when you're looking for a track, it's the boringest <laughs> thing you've ever done. He said, but it goes from nothing to wide open in oh, an yeah. instant. In an instant. Yeah, that's, that's what right. he said. As soon as you find that track and that box explodes yeah. and everything, I mean, you yeah. you can be tired, you can be sleepy, yeah. you can be hungry, whatever. There's a bear track. I wrote an article one time years ago in Coonown Bloodline called Bear Hunters and Bear Dogs Are Crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and they are when they find a bear track. Go full. Go. <laughs> Don't be standing on the road yeah. when they're trying to get it to get in there to cut their yeah. dogs loose. I know you still like. You need to get up with there and go up there and go bear hunting with him. He hunts yeah. right there around Whiteville and in that area. Oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, but you'll you'll he is he's as good as they come. He's just yeah. like Ashley. He just. He's just much respect. Everybody yeah. respects yeah. him, and yeah. he, he is a really good man. Uh, well, I need to do that for sure because uh, I'm not getting any younger, Jim. <laughs> you know. Well, listen, I've asked you this before, but uh, you know we pick up listeners all the time, and I'm sure there's some of him. What was your favorite over the years? My favorite, favorite dog. dog. Yeah. Well. Most people would say Jeff. Uh, Jeff didn't have but 300-something puppies. I, you know, I didn't breed him much, but I hunted him much. <laughs> and uh, he had that great old big mouth. He's a one-bark tree dog. He was accurate. He had it He had it all. A.J. Wright says what most people don't realize, he's such a tree dog and got such a mouth, they don't realize what kind of track dog he is. He would take a track dog was fumbling, and AJ said he'd take it out of there like following a white line down the highway. He was that kind of track dog, and I loved him. And I loved at the time I had Tom. Tom was a medium hunting dog, and I hunted around Charlotte and all them highways and all. He'd go in there and hunt it out and come back. You take across the road and send him another way. He was perfect for that. Mm. And uh, first time I took Jeff down east, he he come out of the mountains. He never seen no swamp. Them dogs quit, and he stay in there and treat him coons. I mean, that ice water didn't bother him. But of all the dogs I've had, Champ, I've never, nothing touched him. Champ was the Champ. one. Yeah. And he was I out did, of Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. But now, I didn't like Champ as much as I liked a couple of them. But as far as the top dog, he was the mm -hmm. top dog. Mm -hmm. And uh, I liked the Chico dog, but the Shirley dog, she was right up there among the top of them. And uh, I've had several that was up in that category, but Champ was the mm -hmm. top by far. How did those dogs figure into the lineage of Sackett Jr.? Well, Sackett Jr.'s sire was old Sackett, and he was right. off of Crowder, and Crowder was off of Champ. Sackett, I mean, Crowder was off of Jeff. Mm -hmm. And Sackett's mama was off of Champ, and Champ was off of Jeff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but back to them dogs, Champ was by far the best dog I ever hunted with, in my opinion. You mm -hmm. know, other people might have, I never heard nobody talk bad about him, but yeah. he was that type of dog. Yeah, but I love Shirley, and I had a dog called Belle 
that was off of Chico and a champ female. And she was, she had to be at least one of my favorite dogs of all time. And uh, I lived next to a farm, had my dog pens back under the trees and they planted cotton back there. Well, all my water buckets was on the side toward the house. But her pen, I put it at the back of the pen and that guy had to help coming there spraying that cotton and it was windy and it come up there and, and it just killed her kidneys. Po poisoned the water. Kidneys mm. went out. She wasn't seven years old. Oh my. Yeah. I wouldn't have took nothing for her. Yeah. She yeah. had she had that gigantic mouth. She just yeah. had it all. Well, when I, you know, I, well, Oxley's a young man, but he's, he certainly walked behind some really good dogs oh, yeah. in his life. And when he talked about Shirley, you know, his eyes light up and he, <laughs> he'd love yeah. to have one out of her today. But, uh, yeah, well, I know we all have our favorites, but I, you know, I enjoyed the way I knew about a lot of those dogs where the word of mouth would drift up to West Virginia. You yeah. know, of course, we had old Brax Blaze. Yeah, you got a there, dog there, old Blaze. Yeah. yeah. But through your columns in, in Full Cry, and I used to love to listen to you talk your just hunting yeah. uh, articles and all, and you relive these hunts and stuff. Yeah. So I think the guys out there listening, especially like my buddy Keston up in Virginia, he doesn't really have a lot of desire to be a competition hunter, but he sure does love the coon hunt. And he's out there every night. I yeah. mean, every possible night he's out there. So you don't really, everybody knows the Yakin River strain. Everybody yeah. knows who Jim Meeks is. You don't have to be a big time competition hunter. Right. To, have, to make your mark in Coonhounds. Yeah. Steve, I'd like to say one thing. I, I wrote an article in Full Cry or American Coon or both since back in the probably the early 70s. And uh, I'd like to say this. If you go back through all them columns, I don't think you'll ever find me say a word about my dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always yeah. talk about I'd say exactly. I'd say we to hunt with and, and I'd and say right, we treat this or I'd say mm -hmm. his dog did this, but I never said my dog did this or my dog did it. Because I wasn't doing it to promote my dogs, you know. I bought an ad and a lot yeah. of people put these little things. I might have some puppies for sale, you know, in their column and mm -hmm. all and, and oh, yeah. you know, Terry knows what they're doing. Oh yeah. But I I never said my dog did this or my dog did it or champ did this or champ did that i'd say we caught two coons or the dogs treat three coons or his john dog looked outstanding but i never yeah if yeah. you go back through all of them i don't think you'll ever see one place where i did that well you know i was always real conscious about that too now when i started this podcasting well, first it was with Chris Powell, and then I got with the boys from Arkansas, North Carolina. We did this country store thing and all. What we found that listeners wanted us to talk about our dogs. Yeah. But they wanted us to talk about them from the standpoint of their failures and successes and their training and yeah. all that, not just to say, you know, I, well, I got old so-and-so, and he's a 14-time <laughs> Grand Nighttime yeah. champion and all this. And, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, and you've got lots of friends like this, Johnny Brinkley from Florida. Johnny's yeah. been around for many years. And we, David McKee and I used to go and Lee Kearns and various ones every year of the week 
of the Winter Classic in Georgia, we'd go down to Johnny's and Pleasure Hunt. And Johnny would always say, he said, I have such a good time when you guys come down here. We go hunting, we tree coons, or we don't. Nobody's bragging about their dog. Nobody's striking and treeing their dog. Yeah. We're just out there having a good time, you know. Don't miss that, fellas, out there in, in Podcast Land. You're listening to this. Don't miss the the fun and enjoyment fellowship. and the fellowship. Exactly. Perfect words. The best yeah. I've ever heard said. I, I've mentioned Gene Cruz about it, everything I've ever said, and he was one of my heroes of coon hunting. Him and A.J. Wright and mm. several more, but Gene Cruz, he was just an old country coon hunter, and he had them ringneck fox dogs. Yeah. And and he'd hunt them dogs, and everybody tried to buy them. And Alan Shue told him he wouldn't sell him that fox dog. And he said, uh, let me hunt him in the hunts. And Gene took him, and he hunted him in three hunts and made him a night champion. And it, you and mean Alan took him? No, no Gene, Gene said, I'll hunt him. Oh, I got He you. hunted him in three hunts and made him a night champion. And then he, he quit. And Alan said, well, let's make him a grand. He said, no, I just wanted to show y'all that a fox dog make a night champion. Y'all ain't got nothing. <laughs> And he never hunted him in another hunt. But I hunted them dogs, and I bought one of them. Mm -hmm. It was a grade female. And I had a pedigree back to the 30s on her that he kept. Mm -hmm. Half of them was named Ring or Drum. But he put the name of the dog, the color of the dog, who owned the dog. And if you look back, it was family bred all the way down. When I bought her, I bought her from Gene. And he came and bred her to Champ. And he shipped two or three of them dogs to Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I had calls for years, and boys out there want some more of them dogs. And they was great dogs. Mm -hmm. Then he bred her to Chico, and he shipped some of them out there. Yeah. And they was good dogs. Well, I had her single restaurant, and I bred her to Chico, and I, I kept one of the puppies. And I got all kind of pictures of them. Junior Duncan was one yeah. of the top people in the Blue Tick Breeders. Yeah. I had him, when I single restaurant, I had Junior Duncan. He was the one that come and checked him out. We cut him in a big swamp. He went there and trailed the coon up. He's about 13 months old and treed the coon. We went and seen it. And I said, what do you think, Junior? He said, my God, everything ought to treat a coon like that. Just, she was that kind of dog, you know. Mm. And Gene said, well, I tell you, boys, them boys hunt, you know, strike. They practice for the hunt. He, he never said a word. He didn't say a word. And, and that dog, that dog could fly. He caught several foxes. And he said, I'd rather go hunting. Let's go hunting. And every one of us is dog tree a coon is mine tree all of them. He said, everybody wants a dog to be good and do the best. He said, but if every one of us is dog tree a coon, we still tree three coons and everybody's happy when we go home. <laughs> and he said, that mean more to me than my dog tree yeah. all of them. Yeah, what an that, attitude. That's Man, an attitude. Buy the Latin that's the yeah. attitude, yeah. Yeah. But them, them boys and uh them boys down around Denton, North Carolina, they they raised that stock of dogs. Wasn't that where Junior was from? No, I yeah. think Junior raised up down around White. Okay. He Junior I always remembered him at Blue Tick Days wore yeah. that little fedora hat. Yeah. Like, you know, and always it was all it, we used to call them the North Carolina Mafia, all yeah. the Blue yeah. Tick guys well, You remember Roy Latham? He used oh, to sell yeah, them. For sure. Well down there around his house, in fact, I think it was his cousin, they were several them great ringneck dogs come up there and bred the champ. Mm. And I mean them made good so dogs. So these were Foxhound origin, origin, but they were tree dogs. They were natural tree dogs. They run foxes with them and then coon hunt. 
And I went and I said, how do you get them four-year-old dog broke off of foxes? He said, well, if you run them with them two-year-old dogs all day and then take him coon hunting that night, he said, it ain't long. He's looking for a reason to stop. <laughs> but most of them dogs that was four or five years old, stone broke. I mean, and they most of them was black or red ring neck, had a white ring neck, white feet. It looked like Ozark Preacher. Yeah. They had big old mouse, natural tree dogs. And and I bred that bitch a couple times and I sold her to a good friend of mine. He bred her. And when he come when he come and bred her to champ, I've hunted with him for years. He hunted with Pistol Pete, he hunted with Blaze, he hunted with Jeff, Champ, he hunted with all of them. I hunted with him all the time. He said I, her her name was Jimmy. He said, I want to breed Jimmy to champ. What do you think of that? I said, that'd be fine. And he said, he said, I tell you, he said, all them boys is raising cane at me, want me to breed that dog. He said, now I've had these dogs for 30 years. He said, but we're losing our tree pile. He said, they're natural tree dogs. He said, they're still real strike dogs and real track dogs. He said, but we're getting weaker at the tree. And he said, I've hunted with all them dogs. And he said, I know exactly where I need to go to get that tree. Mm -hmm. And he come and bred the champ. Boy, he got that stuff right back. Now, they were still good tree dogs. But he said there wasn't as many of them that was really impressive. But now he he was the coon hunter's coon hunter. I'll be. Well, you know, there's so many stories like that that we don't hear that are out there in regional areas. Uh, went out to uh, South Texas and I hunted with Shorty Gorham, the PBR yeah. ba uh, bullfighter. Yeah. And he's got a line of foxhound bred dogs, but they're Texas West bred cat dogs as well. He hunts bobcat, nothing but yeah. well, he hunts lion, mountain lion with them too. He's he went to Florida and did participated in studies on the Florida panther and treated some cats yeah. for him and all that. And he's got all of his dogs will tree, but most of them are sight treeing. You know, I watch them. I mean, they're gamey as they can be, and they're. Uh, but I, th I think what you were saying about those ringneck. Uh, fox dogs and all. That's kind of the way the coonhound, the Walker coonhound came to be. Yeah. Because those old foxhounds stopped. Went to tree. You know, they'd slow down some and they'd go to tree yeah. And they'd say, well, old Joe over there, you know, he, he, he's a tree dog. Let's breed to him. And, and, you know, just through tree dog, coon dog to coon just, dog, I guess. But that's really how the Walker. Yeah breed that was established well them ringneck dogs they was they was just natural tree dogs but where they where they excelled over most dogs is they could fly huh. i mean yeah. when they they could take a bad track and move it too hmm. but when he got up running they run for the catch oh. what i call a good track dog i i want him to be able to trail and get him up but i don't want a dog following the coon wanting to tree him. Mm -hmm. I want him up there trying to catch him and kill him. You know, he might not catch him, but I want him to run for the catch, not the tree. Well, if you want to see what a hound can do and how quick they can move and how quick they can tree a bobcat in thick, thick country, yeah. go out there and hunt with Shorty. Yeah. But, I mean, once those dogs, they scatter out everywhere hunting, hunting, hunting. He's riding along his ranch road, and one of them opens, man, it's All just like go. a magnet. <laughs> There, every one of them's right there, and man, it's on, and uh, it's just amazing how fast they'll put that thing in the tree. When I first started hunting with AJ back in 
probably 60 or 61, somewhere along there. There was an old guy that lived over there near him. There was an old guy that lived over there near him that cat hunted. And we went down there one day, and he probably had 10 or 12 cats hanging on barbed wire fence out huh? there. And he had four or five old dogs there, and they just looked like old dogs. And I said, them things must can fly. He said, no, they're just medium speed. I said, well, how you catch them cats? He said, I'm going to tell you. He said, that fast dog, he said, that cat will come out to a paved road, and he'll stop on his toes and go down the road or turn back and jump off. And he said, them fast dogs run slap across that road over there, and they got to find him again. He said, my dog's just medium speed. And he said, when they get to the road, they don't never touch the pavement. And he said, they, it takes them a while. He said, but they just dog him till he goes up the tree. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, they mm -hmm. jump out of them trees. He said, they will at night. He said, he won't jump out in the daytime. Right. He said, you can't take a stick and knock him out in the daytime. Yeah. And I said, how you kill them cats? He said, he said, you won't believe this. He said, if a dog tries to fight the cat, that cat will tear him up. He said, but if he'll just go in there and grab him, he said, that cat will give up. He said, he just gives up, you know, a couple of dogs, Brad. Mm -hmm. He said, he'll just give up and they'll kill him. He said, but if that dog tries to stand back and fight at him, he's had a bad day. <laughs> but he must know what he's talking about. Yeah. He had the cats to prove it. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Jimmy, we've been at it here over an hour, I believe. Can you believe that? No, I know. About 20 minutes. <laughs> Huh? I said we were going to do 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. Man, we just got to get together more often and talk about these old dogs, yeah. man, and the experiences. And this podcast, I think, kind of sometimes I think that it appeals more to the older hunters. But yeah. then I get a lot of these young guys come by and say, I like the podcast. I'm listening to it. So that makes it worthwhile to me you oh, know yeah. there, that, there's no reason for me to do this other than i just enjoy talking yeah to, to interesting people you know and and uh, uh you know i uh, i uh meet so many people you know down through the years unfortunately we've lost a lot of them yeah and uh kyle chase yeah, he hasn't been that long since kyle passed yes which a guy I always loved. He always called me honey. Oh, yeah, honey. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody named honey. honey. <laughs> yeah. To Kyle. What a great guy and, and really played a part. You know, there's a whole book of history in the Southeast on the Walker Dog yeah. where, you know, you think of Lester Nance in the Indiana. And, and I've spent quite a bit of time with, uh, with Lester's grandsons, you know, and uh, talk about uh, talking about their grandfather and the early the origins of the Walker dog there, but here in the southeast, you know, there's been a long-standing tradition. Oh yeah. And of course, then uh, you mentioned AJ Wright and all these people, and uh, you know, in the southeastern Walker days was such a powerful organization for so many years. Yeah. I don't know that they're probably doing as well in in. Union, South Carolina, as they did in Salisbury, but I, I hope they are. And yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, I wish them the best. Oh, I do too. Yeah. And uh, they got a good guy that's their president there, and and all. But anyway, Jimmy, we did. We probably ought to wind this up. <laughs> I haven't sold a book or a magazine yeah. since we've been standing here, but oh, I really are sitting here. But yeah. I've enjoyed it. Well, yeah. I've enjoyed it. I've, we've been friends a long time. And yeah. I was friends with your daddy before I ever met you, and he was a fine man. You you right in his shoes, you know. 
And uh, see, it's the players we're talking to somebody. We know, we think a, a lot alike on a lot of things. You know, I ain't well, saying we're I right down we the line. I think we tend to go toward gravitate toward the people. Yeah. And I think John Wick paid me a compliment when he wrote the foreword to my book. Yeah. And he talked about the my friends and that you can kind of judge a person by the friends he yeah. chooses, you know. And I've always been blessed with good friends, yeah. you know, and I count you one of those. Well, Absolutely. One people, of one people, of the best. People have to be good friends to have good friends. Well, I guess. If you I think guess. about it. You yeah. know, if well, my dad was a people person. He was he loved to go to the hunts and just talk. Yeah. He cared nothing about the competition. Yeah. Uh, he hunted a few night hunts. In fact, one of the things I enjoyed so much was one of the last he was getting up in years and he hunted a dog at plot days on Thursday night. It was uh uh, seniors cast yeah. and he won the cast with a better score than I had so I said well dad we want to take Wrangler then and we'll, I'll hunt him the next two nights and see if we can get the overall win with him and we ended up getting the opposite sex yeah. so that was like a team thing he, dad he got him one death, night and I, oh yeah <laughs> oh he was right there for all the pictures you know yeah. and he enjoyed that but no he just loved people he, and, he was another one of them people that you can actually say I seen him around for years, you know, like southeastern hunter, wherever. Oh, yeah. And he was he was one of them people that you never heard anybody say a cross word about him. I mean, you got to be a pretty good person for that because you can be the best person in the world. Somebody over jealous is gonna say, "Ah, he's all right," but he yeah. stole a watermelon when he's three, you know, something <laughs> like that. Just people come to see yeah, you stud yeah, dog. Yeah. He treated twenty two coons, run a deer four hundred yards. With the store Monday, how that dog do? A deer dog. He, he's a deer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I never heard anybody say a cross yeah. word about him. So that yeah. says a lot. Yeah. You know. Well, I know that there's a lot of people down through the years have probably looked at me and said, you'll never be the houndsman your dad was. And they're right. Yeah. I won't. Because he lived it, breathed it, loved it since he was a little kid, you know, and... uh but, you know, I have him to thank for my love for the sport because yeah. I would have never got involved in it at all if it hadn't been for him. Yeah. But then I kind of got, you know, looking at the magazines and liking the hunts and the shows and going where the crowds are. Well, before I could drive, he'd take me. Yeah. He'd drive me to Ohio. He'd drive me down in Virginia place, you know. But he knew I enjoyed it. Well, he'd sit around and talk. Yeah. And that was his element. He just loved to get around people. But a lot yeah. of people, and, and I, it seems like it's getting more and more like what I'm saying. A lot of people just wasn't lucky enough to have a parent that That's would do true. that because they That's had something true. of their own they wanted to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, I try to tell the younger guys, uh, just like Keston, my friend, and of course, you know, he's, he's invested in his children. And he's just they're getting up to the age where he's going to get busy with them. Yeah. Little, his oldest one's seven. And I said, you know, there's nothing more important than your family and your kids. But if you can bring them into the sport where they like it, you know, then that makes it all the better. Yeah. Uh, talking to this one little kid here today, and his daddy, his name is David, and we signed a book for him. Yeah. And he's telling me about the deer he shot. He killed <laughs> 
He's 10 years old. He's killed about six deer now. Oh, but wow. Killed two of them in front of dogs, you know. I said, hey, hunt, get them <laughs> things, you know. He said, well, I miss a lot. <laughs> when when Tom was eight or nine years old, I think he done killed a deer or two. But a good friend of ours lives up next to Kent Spencer, George Cox. George bought him one of them lights you follow blood with. Oh, uh-huh. And when he come down, he we all used to get together at Southeastern Pleasure Hunt and had a cabin at Hampton yeah. West. We stayed over. Well, Tom said, what is that? And Hamp said, that's a blood light. He said, what is that? He said, "He said that, when you shoot the deer, you, you can follow him, you find him. He said, I can find him. He said, how you find him? He said, he'd be laying there where he was at when I shot him. <laughs> he didn't have to go look for no deer. He killed him when he shot him. I think somebody's got their boom box with them. Aren't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I hope this recording turns out well, Jimmy, because there's so. a lot of background people, our noise, and a lot of humanity has passed by the booth since we've been talking. But yeah. man, man, it's been fun. I've I, enjoyed it. I appreciate enjoyed you. It. I appreciate you talking to me, Pete. Oh Steve. man, what are you talking about? Man, can't can't get any better than this. But I want you to. Have good health in the new year. Same I to want you. you to be able to get out with the dogs as much as you can. And I'm trying to. Yeah, I know. yeah. It gets to be a job when we get to our age. Well, I got a pup that I'm fooling with, so he's getting me kind of interested, you know, again. That, that'll make you get up. Do that, that'll make they? you get up and go when you don't want to. Well, I've said on this podcast, I got a couple partners, one's in North Carolina, one's in Virginia, and they'll my wife I think gets a little irritated with me sometimes and we'll be watching something on TV together and that phone will ring mm-hmm. and she said would you take that to the other room because <laughs> I'm yakking and yakking about coon dogs and she's trying to hear trying the TV, hear TV. <laughs> yeah but anyway they send me videos and clips and let me know how the hunt went that's good if they got a problem you know well the dog did this what do you think yada yada I said well you know I don't know for what whether it's any good or not but I'll I'll tell you and and so that's kept me in you know keeps me involved with it you know so when I can't get out there oh I do absolutely I do and God bless them for for thinking about an old man you know (laughs) well Jimmy Meeks it's been great to have you on the Gone to the Dogs podcast you're a legend in this sport without any doubt Anybody that thinks about a Yadkin River tree and walker dog or look at these famous stud dogs like Tar Rattler, look at the Sackett Jr. and then the Champ and Jeff and Tom and Chico and all these dogs. I mean, you're just permanently linked to that. And and as our sport, we have a lot to thank you for. And I thank you for the time you spent with me today, buddy. I appreciate it. It's been it, a joy. Thank right. you very much.